Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is our Q&A show. What we're asking in this episode is, does your work fit you? It continues to be one of the most important questions we ask ourselves. Does my work align with who I am? Yet in our culture today, it's a question many never ask or even expect to have. Work is seen as a necessary evil to provide a paycheck that affords us our lives. Well, while many view working at something they actually enjoy and care about and believe in is a luxury. And having those attributes in your work has proven to not only provide personal fulfillment, but greater earning potential. And yet we're still not making it priority. Well, in show 687, I talked with Laura Gassner Audien about her concept of consonance and the power of alignment in all we do. So from the show, I posted this question to the Ziegler audience. Does your work align with who you are? The responses, of course, varied from absolutely uh, and how it does to not at all and the frustrations from that. So to talk through the comments, I brought Laura back on the show to give her expert insight and counsel. And folks, these are real stories giving real value and Laura's insight was just incredible. So don't miss what Laura has to offer all of us uh, by going to lauragastneraudien.com slash Ziggler. She set up some special things just for us. Laura Gastner audiencom slash Ziggler. Well, so here then we're going to get into these questions and comments with Laura. Well, Laura, this one, it's always interesting when I post these questions, uh, we always get a good response. Some of them are near overwhelming. This one was, so if you're ready for about four hours, we'll get through them all. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a, I mean, it's the topic that people either care about because they're going obviously as the comments showed us they're going, yes, I am. And they're so excited about it as you know, that they would be. And then plenty of others who said, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm trying to get there. But most of them were kind of like, well, you know what? Here we go. Tony. He says, no, I'm not in alignment right now in my work. I'm closer than I used to be. And I asked him, I said, how so? He says, Kevin, I work for myself. Now I have autonomy. I eat dinner with my kids most nights, but I didn't fully intend to run an ad or run an agency building websites, building websites and marketing is a better use of my skill sets and time, but I still feel like I am not there yet. Not to mention, I need to make a better income. I think most people would say they need to make more money, but we are simply not where we want to be. I thought that was an interesting one to say, gosh, it feels like I am, but well, you know, he needs to read, needs to read your book, uh, and, uh, go through the steps, but how many people do you find that? Yeah, they are somewhat, but it's just still something missing. Yes. Yeah, so I think this is, uh, you know, one of the questions that people always say to me is, oh, well, you know, I, I, I would like, I, I finally have more flexibility. I'm able to manifest my values through my work on a daily basis. I'm personally, I was an accidental CEO and I found myself in the same place where I was like, I can have the flexibility and I have the control to have the life I want. And it's contributing somewhat but I don't know that I'm making enough money. It's kind of stressful for the amount of money that I'm making, and I'd actually like to make more. And this is when I realized that um, I was paying myself what was left over. Mm. I was running the business. I was paying my people. I was paying um, uh, uh, you know, my vendors, and I was making what was left over. And I sat down with an executive coach who said, well, what kind of life do you want to have? 
build a business that throws off that kind of income. So it's really about saying, Tony, what kind of life do you want? How much money do you want to make? And then what's the business you want to build to allow yourself to have that? And if what you want is a certain amount of income that also gives you a certain amount of flexibility, it may be that running the ad agency is the thing to do, but it may be that you're either running that business differently, or maybe you want to run a different business that can give you all the elements of contribution, the flexibility and the money as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that alignment, I, you know, I, I think I, I tend to go in cycles, I think, where I feel like right now I am, but then I'll start something new that requires, maybe it requires me being in an office more than I really care to be, but it's worth it. Obviously it's a payoff, it's a, but it's a, a means to an end. And I don't want to be doing the same thing, you know, two years from now that way too, but seasons. Um, Thomas Zelensky here, he says, this is, this is interesting. You'll appreciate this. He says, yes, I further advance a standard of excellence by rigorously, rigorously pursuing logistic excellence one adventure at a time. I drive a truck and I can honestly say that if I won the lottery, nothing in my life would change except I wouldn't have any bills. I'm truly blessed. Love that perspective on driving a truck. I love that. And, you know, I say that being in consonance is when what you do matches who you are, right? So if what he does, he he does work that's all about logistics and getting some things from here to there in the most efficiently possible way. And if that's who he is in his bones, then when you say to somebody, what would you do if you won the lottery? That gives you the answer. You know, people always say, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And that's your passion. And I say, that's ridiculous. Tell me what you would do if you knew you would for sure fail, but you'd want to keep doing it and getting better and better and better every day at it. That's your passion. So yeah. he's clearly found his passion. Yes. Yeah. I, lo- I just love the perspective of uh, that he has on what could be a mundane title. Arlene Peters here also, uh, she says, I'm of the belief that what seeks us, we seek. I have a deep reverence for God and every, every one of us has a body that we tote through life. The way to run the race we have been given is a direct reflection of the way we honor our body. I was a high level athlete and my love for fitness started there. Our bodies were created to move and I now direct a paralysis center, reverently mm. rebuilding and shaping broken bodies back to health. There you go. Isn't that a beautiful story? Yes. Yes. I love that. And again, that's another example of what you do matching who you are. She's able to take something that she truly loves and believes and has given her so much personal power and then use her work to manifest those values to give other people power, physical power as well. And that's just, that's really, that is the perfect definition of consonance. That's alignment. That's flow. That's when the very best of what you do is being called upon to solve the problem that you care about. And you're being rewarded for in a way that is personally meaningful to you, whether that's money or meaning. And I just, that's Arlene rock on. That's beautiful. Well, and I like how she and Thomas both gave these very high profile definitions to what they do. She said, reverently rebuilding and shaping broken bodies back to health. And I think we can do a tongue in cheek. You know, we can take any title and try to make it sound, uh, floofy and, and, uh, you know, and, and high powered, but in truth, if you have somebody working in alignment, does it not feel that way? It's kind of like the story of the brick builders. You know, this guy is uh, building what it was. I'm laying bricks. This guy said building walls. This guy said I'm building cathedral. So I really felt, shouldn't we all feel like we have a title that's that reverent? 
Yeah, I mean, my book starts off with the story of the janitor at NASA, who, right, you know, right, right. JFK said, that. what are you doing here? And he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I would love it if we could all see the connection from our daily work to the calling that we had. This janitor had a calling to help put a man on the moon. He didn't have a calling to wipe the floors. He had a calling to help put a man on the moon. And he yeah. could see a connection from his daily work to getting to that calling. And, you know, just because he didn't have a slide rule or an abacus and, you know, a gigantic mainframe the size of the of the room back in the 60s he still was part of a team that moved a calling forward yes well here's one uh natalie vilson she says uh as, as far as being in alignment not at all by nature i am an extrovert and i love interacting with people face to face my job is all phone based she says it's case management for a life insurance company and i work from home I thought a remote position was for me, but I dislike it. Dislike it. I need interaction with real people. I'm also a very creative person with a zillion ideas, but where I'm working now has zero creativity, no room to grow, and I'm not using any of my skills in the workplace. Um, I asked her, I said, so is this a new discovery about yourself? Something you're going to take action on? And she says, I feel like I've known that I was not in the right place, but never had the confidence to step into who I really am until now. So now, yes, I am taking action. Hmm. So it's an interesting question about confidence, because I think that we get sold this enormous bill of goods from social media about like, if you can dream it, you can do it. And we think that we have to have this gigantic dream and this confidence to like jump out of an airplane. And I think that that's actually the wrong advice. I think it's better if you can do it, you can dream it, right? Like it's not about having the confidence to take these big, bold steps. It's about having, it's about taking smaller steps individually, one after another, that demonstrate to you that you have competence in something. And then once you have competence in something, you can actually start developing the confidence to have the bigger dreams, right? Like it's, it's nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I've never run uh, before, but I'm going to run a marathon in three months. They go, well, I've never run before, but today I'm going to run a half a mile. And tomorrow I'm going to run a mile. And next month I'm going to run a 5k. And the year after that, I'm going to do a half marathon and you build into it. But the reason that you go from, I've never run before to I'm going to run a marathon is one foot in front of the other gives you competence to have those bigger dreams. And those steps can be, um, they can be listening to podcasts like this. They can be reading books like mine and the one that you're going to write. Um, They can be watching TED Talks. They can be informational interviews. They can be all the things that you need to build your network and your knowledge and your resources so that you actually feel comfort. Like, you know, when it finally comes down to jump out of that airplane, you know that you've double, triple checked that parachute in the backpack. That is, uh, I, 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 well, you know what? I'm going to follow up right away because to Natalie's response here, uh, a guy, Matt Horn came in and said, ditto. Uh, and then he gave his commentary. He says, again, not at all. I set a goal to achieve this job, the job that he has seven to eight years ago and got it. I wanted to achieve this for financial security for my family, but to also learn how to sell now that I'm here and have, and he has in quotes arrived, I have realized it's not aligned with who I am wanting to be and what I want to give in life. So now I am working towards a total career change where my rewards and accomplishments will be from helping others. And in turn, the money will come. I mean, what's that phrase? You know, you, you, you climb the corporate ladder just to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. 
Is that, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think what happens is that we're all carrying around these scorecards in our back pockets that we've been carrying around since before we even remember how we got them, right? Like get the right internship, go to the right college, get the right job, marry the right person, buy the right house, drive the right car to the right after school program for your kids and wear exactly the right clothes at exactly the right size. And we're all told that we have to fill in all these check boxes. And then we fill them all in and we look around one day and we're like, well, I'm successful. Why aren't I happy? Like, is this all there is? Is this all I was meant for? And it is because we've spent so much time building this ladder. And I think, you know, you talk a lot about seasons. I think a couple things happen. I think number one, we let somebody else determine our path towards success when we're 16, 17, 18 years old, before we have a frontal lobe, right? Pick a path, pick a college, pick a career, pick a trade before we even know what we want. So we're on the wrong path to start with. But then also we forget that we have seasons in our lives. So when you're in your 20s, success means something different to you than when you're in your 30s. And that means something different than when you're in your 40s and your 50s and your 60s. So the amount of flexibility that you want, I mean, earlier we talked about um, about uh, uh, one of the uh, respondents wanting to have flexibility to have dinner with his family. Yeah, That's that's something that you won't want when you're in your 20s, right? It's something that you don't get anymore when you're in your 60s. So like that success is measured by different benchmarks for each and every one of us. And so I love that, I think it was Mike you said, is 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 thinking about completely re-engineering his life so that it comports with what success means for him today. But that, okay, yes, granted, but what he said right there, uh, anxiety just went up in so many people who have invested so much time. I and mean, I've heard so many stories of people who went after doctorates of medical school, whatnot to only get in that place and not understand what they're going to be doing. I have kids of that age of picking their, you know, what directions they're going to go. And at this point I'm saying, I don't just go after something and know that it, it may not be the big kahuna. It probably won't be, but it'll help mm-hmm. you find it. Cause right now, who knows? And I can't foresee in my, all my fatherly wisdom. I don't know exactly what X, Y, Z will look like for them. If they get a degree here or get, uh, you know, get, uh, skills in this area, what, is that job going to look like? So I'm asking them, what do you want to see your day? What's it going to be filled? They don't know yet. They haven't tried enough stuff and gotten out there to really understand. So from that aspect, it's, I don't know what to tell them other than go invest in something and know that it, it may not be the ultimate fruit of where you go for the rest of your life. I'm sure it will give you some clues. So as you know, I've done like over a hundred podcasts in the, the rollout of this. Right. Very early on um, by somebody, what is the advice you'd give your 20-year-old self? And I sort of stopped for a minute and I thought, well, my 20-year-old self would be listening to a podcast that was recorded over an internet on my cell phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> None of those things existed right. when right. I was 20. So even if we do know who we are and we do know how we want to spend our days, the world around us changes so rapidly that we just can't possibly have the roadmap completely, perfectly finished and framed. There's going to just uh, – the advice that I would give my 20-year-old self is A, write your plans in pencil, and B, get used to – like get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
because there's always going to be stuff you don't know. But I think that all the things we've done, like all the work going into the doctorate or going into the seven or eight, you know, year goal of having, you know, arrived at this title, it's not like when you transition to the next thing, all that stuff disappears and is useless. Those are still arrows that you carry in your quiver. There's still there's still networks and knowledge and and experience that you bring towards the next problem. You know, my first book was about transitioning from corporate to nonprofit work. And there's tons of what's like you don't just all of a sudden have to start brand new. You can say things like, well, I spent my corporate career in sales. So I want to go work in the nonprofit sector. What can I do? Well, I can raise money because obviously, you know, taking money from somebody in exchange for good karma is not the same as taking money in exchange for products and services, but it's the same skill set. You have to do the research. You have to steward the relationship. You have to know when to ask. You have to understand how to follow up. All of those things are still useful. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's not all of a sudden, oh my God, it's all for lost. You can actually use that. Those going yeah, forward. transferable skills. Amen. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, here's uh, this one's a little longer, but I thought it was worth it. Merrill Garner, he says, I work in public ed and care about kids, people, and how to make learning accessible to every kid, no matter what their background. So at the surface level, the answer would be, yes, I'm in alignment. But the reality of today's accountability systems and trying to define all the stakeholders by one test taken at one moment in time has led to a definite misalignment for me. I got in for the people and I'm finding it is less and less about the people. So I responded to him and I said, where do you go from here? And he says, that is the decision-making season I am in right now. The question I am faced with is, does what I do day in and day out matter? Or does it boil down to my values based on that once-a-year accountability score and nothing else matters if that score is not good? I really already know the answer to the question, but it makes my heart a bit sad to face such a harsh reality. On the flip side, I sensed all along that God was promoting me to this position to make me really uncomfortable uh, because there is an odd false security in that fixed pay public slash government world. I know what needs to change. And I have people who will listen because they know my heart and intent. I suspect I'm going to have to leave that government security enough to take that message to the next level. So I'm preparing to do, to be able to do that. That's significant. That's significant. And that's challenging. But I think that I think that when we're at the bottom of a mountain range, we look at the top of the mountains and we go, I want to climb there, mm-hmm. right? And then when we get to the top of the mountain, we look around and what do you see from the top of the mountain? You see five other mountain ranges that are even taller. So, you know, I think that I love this analogy that he's sort of being pushed to this level only to realize that there's more work to do and there's different work to do. And my challenge to him would be, how do you continue to serve that calling of being in it for the people and being in it for, you know, education, but maybe doing it in a way that um, the very best of him can be brought to the problem that's at hand as opposed to just teaching to the test. Right. Uh, Here's one then, Laura, that was, well, I got a question from it. So I'll read it real quick. It's short. Becky Miranda, she says, yes, after overcoming obesity, I've become a health coach and started teaching group fitness and working in the office at our local parks and rec gym. God, God turned my mess into my message. Okay. First off, of course, I I love that. You love somebody who's had an experience personally and they are on fire about it. They are the living, walking testimonial. 
So, well, I'll let you speak to that, but I do have a question. Just I've seen people also have a similar experience and go into it for the same reason, but it wasn't necessarily in alignment. Great experience doesn't mean that it was in alignment to, well, at least to teach in that way, to go, you know, as a leader, as a coach, maybe they could have another role within that sector. So I've seen, I've seen the good and bad of it. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I love that. Maybe Robert, Good Morning America, talks a lot about that. And, you know, when she was diagnosed uh, with cancer, uh, tried to, had to figure out what she was going to do. And her mother said, make your mess your message. And then she ended up going through the entire experience of her illness on national TV and really, I think, helped so many people mm. um, come to terms with their own health issues because of it. Um, I, I think that it can, I, like you said, I think it can go two ways. I think sometimes we make our mess our message and we inspire others. And sometimes we make our mess our message and we um, have a lot of, um, we put our ideas and our thoughts and our, you know, we are, it's, it's, it's a, a transference on others, right? right? So we are defining their problem by what we found as the solution. I had a, um, a teacher uh, of my son when he was in second grade who told me that he clearly had ADHD and that he needed medication because medication saved her son. Oh, of course. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, I'm perfectly happy to give him medication if that's what is called for by his neuropsychological testing and the psychiatry exams and all that. It turns out he didn't have ADHD. He had a whole bunch of other things that appeared like ADHD when they were together. But so she brought this message, uh, you know, she made her mess her message and in doing so misdiagnosed my son and actually could have sent him down a pretty bad path. So I think, um, I, I, I think, you know, I agree with you. I think that there's two different, there's two different ways. I think there's a lot of power and empathy in the vulnerability and the shared experience. But I think we also have to say, okay, I'm going to come to the person who's got that and say, in addition to that, I also have my own lens, my own experience, and I and I have been walking on this earth for enough years that I should have some confidence in that as well. Well, let me ask you a question. And actually, there was somebody that I interviewed recently that I can't bring up to mind, but they told the story of a guy who wanted to be involved in the NBA. You know, that was his dream. Uh, however, he was of some you know, ethnicity. I can't remember five, five, you know, and no, no skill, uh, related to that year. However, many years later he ends up, he's a, it's like a chiropractor or a physical, a personal trainer working for one of the big name, you know, NBA, uh, franchises living the dream. So there he is. Speak to that if you would, because I I have encountered so many people who have an experience or they have something that they love and they're pretty narrow in how they can participate within it. And, you know, just like that fitness, somebody who who loses weight, has a really great experience and thinks, gosh, I need to go after helping other people do that. But they may not be of the personality type skill set to actually be a coach, be a consultant. I don't even like that. I I can do that. It's not my favorite. I don't enjoy doing that. I have found other roles that I like, like this. I'm great behind a microphone. You know, don't put me on stage. I could care less. Uh, I like this. But finding how to vet that. I know you'd speak to that some in the book, but just speak to that of helping people round out. If there's an area that you feel like that's my interest, there's probably multiple ways that you can align with that and not just the narrow option you may see. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that we get very confused by title. Right. Yeah. And so like we have to, if we're interested in 
say the, 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 the health area, like we have to be a nutritionist or we have to be a, a, a strength trainer or something like that. But I think that there's other ways to go about it. Like why does somebody call the nutritionist or the health coach? Because there was somebody who helped to get them excited Absolutely. and get them confident and to get them, you know, moving on their way. Or once they do that, how do they feel good when they're at the gym? Maybe they feel good because they're wearing clothes that make them feel really, you know, terrific. Or maybe they're getting, you know, massages or acupuncture or, you know, like there, there's all kinds of things that around it. If you look at um, the nonprofit sector, if you take like domestic violence, for example, right? Domestic violence is a scourge um, on our earth. And one in seven women in the United States will have some experience with domestic violence at some point in their life. So if you want to stop domestic violence, what can you do? You can be somebody who um, works in a domestic violence shelter, or you can be somebody who helps create the technology for, you know, for 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 emergency call-in systems. You could be somebody who collects um, clothing for women who are at shelters. You can be somebody who raises money on behalf of them. You could be somebody working in a foundation that grants money to it. You could do policy work with the government. I mean, there's there are so many. You could do advocacy work or with with this with the with the major sporting. Um, Events saying, you know, when there are major sporting events and teams lose, there's more domestic violence that, that happens. You can work with, wow. um, with, with uh, um, uh, alcohol bureaus. I mean, there's so many ways that you can approach, but I think it starts by saying, what's the, what is the cause, the calling, the thing that I care about? Is it building a business? Is it nurturing a family? Is it um, being uh, really active in my, 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 uh, place of faith? Is it saving the world? Is it, um, uh, you know, making a billion dollars? Is it buying a Maserati? Like, what's the thing you care about? And then there's so many different ways that you can approach getting to that. And at every age and at every life stage, what we're going to want and how we're going to want to get there is going to be different. That, I mean, and you spoke a minute ago, you spoke to me in the arenas that I am, health and wellness, personal development. I am the communicator, marketer, and I am not a provider. I have no desire to be a provider. I'd love to lead you to one of our great providers, whether it's, you know, Ziegler business coaching or whether it's here in our practice, it's the doctors, the nurses, the health coaches, whatever. I do not enjoy that. And I thought that that's where I was supposed to be. I did a lot of business consulting. I did okay. And I just, I didn't enjoy it. Didn't give me energy. Didn't give me life, but I found my place in it. I, I love people to hear that message. There's, there's so many opportunities around that thing that you love. Uh, here's one that's almost, almost in a, in a seeker place. Uh, Tina uh, Smith, she says, I believe that the jobs I have now are all leading me to where I am to go. And I asked, where is that? She said, I love most anything tied to personal development, restorative coach and health and wellness. I am also wanting to become a Gallup certified strengths coach. I am passionate about becoming the best version of myself and also help others do the same with my personal testimony, starting out surrounded by addiction and mental illness while growing up. Uh, the effects it had on me going from stuck to unstuck is an amazing feeling. So, so now we're back to that. Somebody who had a specific experience that now wants to transfer that out. Sounds like she's kind of in that place of, okay, I, I want to take this and put it out there, but she's going to have to find, as you said earlier, her role within that. So in 20 years of interviewing candidates for executive search positions, these are people at the very top of their game who are in massive amounts of career change, super successful. Um, what I found was that it was 
the candidates, the, the most interesting candidates, in fact, the only interesting candidates were the ones that had the right turns and the left turns and the U-turns, all of whom had some moment, something that happened, um, whether they could trace it back to when they were kids um, and it was a mother or a father or a coach or a mentor um, or somewhere during their life where they had a diagnosis or a major world event or something that happened. They woke up one day and they went, that's my why. Like that's the thing, that's the driver. And I feel like I spent 20 years being so blessed and humbled to be able to hear those stories, to take in those stories. I once interviewed a woman for a job in crisis communications. And at the time she was the head of communications for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. And this is before 9-11. And I asked her, I was like, you know, how do you, like you wake up in the middle of the night and you get a call that says, you know, some plane just went down somewhere and there's, you know, 300 souls that are lost. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for crisis communication? And she looked at me and she put her sandwich down and she said, well, when my father was growing, when I was growing up, my father was a drunk, and I Friday was payday, and I never knew if he was going to come home with a bag of groceries, an envelope of cash, or a broken gin bottle that he'd whip at my head and my brother's head. You get pretty good at handling crises, wow. and you learn how to do it pretty young. And that was a formative moment for her. That shaped her. That shaped who she was. And so she was able to go into these massive, high stress crises moments and handle them as if it was like child's play because for her frankly it was so i think that these these formative moments that people have where they're like i went through the rubicon i had this experience and now i can bring something to it are that's what makes each of us so special because each of us have such a different past that we can create for each other such different futures that's a great quotable line Right there. Just made it up. I'd love it. I will we'll replay that one. Awesome. Uh, all right. I got a couple more for you here. Brian uh, Gross, he says, uh, his, his does align. He says, I am in financial services industry and I am today where I am because of my past experiences and relationships. Just, just to what you said. He said, I lost my father when he was only 49 due to a sudden accident. And I was only 23. My parents weren't financially prepared for him to pass away. And I share this with with potential clients so they know why I'm in the business uh, of life insurance and connect to them on a very personal level. I responded back and just said, Oh my gosh, incredible purpose. And he said, thank you for some time. I didn't connect with my why and my customers because I felt like I was capitalizing on my mm. situation. What a mistake. Once I embraced my reality, uh, that made all the difference that that was candid and significant. Yes. Yes. Um, I, it, it, it is such a beautiful thing. To, you know, when I used to pitch my my services of my company, I I remember the the best compliment I could get was when a potential client across the table would say, "God, you really seem like you love what you do." Yeah. That was the moment when I knew that they knew that I was going to take their problems in their hands, in, in my hands, and I was going to take care of them as if they were my own. So when Brian tells a client that he's in this work because he faced this this uncertainty, this stress, this tragedy that he wouldn't want anybody else to face. And you know, while while 
you know, what's the, what's the, 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 there's like a Buddhist quote, like pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Like we're all going to go through horrible stuff in our lives, but we can be prepared for them in a way that allows us at least to focus on the important parts of it, as opposed to all the noise. And if I were looking for a financial advisor and I heard him tell me that story, I'd be like, where do I sign? Like take my money. Cause I know that he is in it for the right reasons. Uh, amen. He's got, he should, if you're listening to this, uh, Brian, you should put that story. It should be headlining. Uh, take the clip from this show and put it on your website so people can hear your heart in that. Okay. Jose uh, Nino, he says, he says somewhat, I do lawn service and I enjoy being outdoors. I have a computer engineering degree, but working in an office would be dreadful. Growing up, I spent most of my day outside playing or working with my dad. And I asked him, I said, what would align, what would help you align more? He says, I'm not sure. I, I says, I never really thought about it. I just landed in the family business and have helped to make it it thrives. So it sounds like there's a little bit of, of non-consonance there still kind of enjoys it, but is in that, uh, uh, you know, enjoying the work, but maybe it doesn't have meaning to him or it, you know, he's got the degree and is hard. I was wondering how to reconcile that. Um, yeah, well, I, I, so I think there's a couple things going on. I think that it sounds like he really loves what he does, mm -hmm. and that's incredible. I would ask, is he making the kind of money that he wants to make? Is it allowing him to, ha to manifest his values yeah. on a daily basis? Is it allowing him to have the kind of flexibility or career trajectory he might be looking for? I would ask him whether or not he feels like he has enough control over those things. Um, obviously, it's a question of you know, what's his calling and what does he care about and what does he want to do on this planet? right? Whether it's doing for himself or his family or for the world. Um, so what's his, his, his calling? And then does the work he's doing on a daily basis connect to it? Now, it may be that the rest of the outside world says your calling should be something like the fastest and most expedient path to the corner office, which obviously you're not going to get working lawn services, but right. you also don't want if you don't want to spend all day in an office, right? He's already said this. So he's already eschewing the whole, you know, outwardly defined version of success, but that creates inside of us this dissonance, this, this, um, this, this argument that says, I'm actually really happy doing what I'm doing, but I think it's not okay because everyone else says it's not okay. So the question I would ask Jose is, is it actually okay? Like, is this what you love? And maybe building the, continuing to build and grow the family business is your calling and the work you're doing absolutely connects to it on a daily basis. And you do have the contribution that you want in your life because you're able to be outside and to be who you are hmm. and you have control over it because you're the entrepreneur. Or if this really isn't and you actually like that other version of success or a completely third option, not the external one, not the one you're given, but something else that's inside of you that you want, then go after that version. Decide if this business is helping you get there and go after that. But I think the first question is, am I not in consonance? Am I somewhat in consonance? Or do I think I'm not because the outside world has told me that constant, that success looks like this and I'm over here. I kind of really like it. Yeah. Okay. That's great counsel that a lot of people need to hear. I got one more for you here. Uh, Carolyn Delaney, she says, yes, I started a print magazine called Journey. Our message is to amplify hope and celebrate freedom from addiction. As someone in recovery since 1993 from drugs and alcohol, I want those who may be sick and suffering and those who love people who are sick and suffering to know what reco that recovery is possible. And there are millions of us. It has made those things I was terrified of, and she has in, in uh, parentheses, public speaking and networking seem 
petty when compared to the mission. And I don't even think twice about smiling for the camera, meeting new people or stepping up to a microphone. It's not about me, but about the mission. Yes. Well, first of all, congratulations and well done. That is impressive and hard work. And thank you for the work you're doing on behalf of so many people that are dealing with, um, with addiction issues. So I just want to first of all, put that out there. Um, I think that's great. I think, you know, that, that is, if, I mean, that's a, it's a perfect question to, to end on because she, she is in consonance. What she does matches who she is in such a way that all the other stuff that's scary doesn't feel scary. People always ask me, how did I get so comfortable speaking on stage? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I love my mission. I love my, my, my story. I love the message that I'm bringing out into the world. And I feel this burden of potential that I have to get it right. Because when people listen to me, they change their career. They change their lives. I mean, somebody tattooed the limitless on their arm after reading it. I saw that. I, I saw it's, that. <laughs> it's incredible. And so you get this point and you're like, well, if I'm getting messages from people saying, I read your book, I was at an event last night and a woman said, I'm halfway through your book and I quit my job today. And I was like, Wow. You should read the other <laughs> But, you know, it's those kinds of things where you think if there is, there is a, 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 the potential of this. Like once you realize you have an idea and you have a skill set and you have a gift that has legs, you know you need to work with it. And once you figure out that it has wings, you know that if you don't actually bring it out into the world, you're stealing from the world. Seth Godin always says, if you have a gift and you're not actively using it every day, you're stealing from other people. And I believe that's right. I think we're all here to you know, show up, shut up, do the work, and to uplift each other. So I love that she's doing this work, and I, and I think it's such a perfect definition of what it really is to be in alignment and flow. To what you just said, so Zig has a, a famous quote, if you have a product or service that you know can help somebody, it's your moral obligation to sell it. I I adore that because there's so many people, as you know, that have something precious, just as you said, that they can offer people. And I I like how you put it. If they don't, they're stealing it from them. Uh, Well, and it's going back to the, the, to the earlier store. Like if, if the financial advisor is not telling people why he's in this work and he's selling this, you know, he's selling who he is, he's actually stealing his gift that he can give to people by not actually showing up a hundred percent of who he is and why he's in this work. Okay. Well, no better place to end than that. Laura, thanks for coming back with us. Thank you. Uh, Again, the responses from your first interviews with us are incredible. I'm so great that you came back. Glad that you came back to do this. It's like a free coaching session. Everybody just got, (laughs) so we'll sell it for 1995 and see what we can do. Uh, But thank you again for giving us your time, your heart, and just what you've done to bring this message to all of us. Well, thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. And just what a great, fun excuse to get to talk to you again. Thanks, Laura. Thanks so much. Well, friends, this should have you grateful that you do align well in your work, or if not, get you more committed to pursuing how you can get in better alignment. Again, check out Laura and what she's offering all of us. Of course, she's got her book Limitless that I highly recommend, but she has some other things for us as well at Laura Gassner audin.com slash Ziegler. And Hey, if you got value from the show, let Laura know, thank her, leave a review in iTunes for the Ziegler show and tell her, thank you. And let others know what they can get from her and from the show. 
Well, coming up next in show 693, we discuss stepping back to see the big picture as a significant habit of success for all our lives. And in this habits show, fear expert Ruth Sukup cited how she specifically uses this aspect in her life. Well, Ruth is the best-selling author of Do It Scared. And in show 691, our topic was discovering your fear type and mastering it. So walking through Ruth's habits in this show, what struck me was, the area of career where her methodology to keep things on track is to consistently step back to look at the big picture. Uh, This is something few of us take the time to truly do. Some other aspects of interest in her habits, walking through those, she hates exercise and physical activity, though she doesn't. She'll talk about that. She said she'd rather watch Netflix and travel. She works to prioritize marriage over kids and invest in close relationships. She goes on personal retreats to rejuvenate herself. She's a spender. Her husband's a saver, and it took a lot to get them debt-free. So you're going to get a lot from the show. Till then, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.